The Utah Utes and USC Trojans face off in one of the, the premier games of the Pac-12 schedule. But who has the advantage in the game's key matchups? We're talking about it on today's Locked on Utes. You are Locked on Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Locked On Utes your first listen every single day. We do greatly appreciate it. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. My name is JT Wistersill, former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. And on today's show, we're going to be previewing the Utes taking on the Trojans. It's the matchup we've been talking about forever and have a very special guest on in order to help us do that. He's the premier face of the Pac 12 network, as well as was college roommates with Larry Fitzgerald and coached under. Pete Car- coach with Pete Carroll as well excuse me Yogi Roth thank you so much for joining us yeah no thanks for having me appreciate the time big fan of what you guys do and on my flights always to Salt Lake City locked on seeing what the <laughs> latest is always trying to pick up a little insight here or there well, we greatly appreciate it. And I know there's not a lot of insight you need to pick up on for the, these kind of games as well. This is one we've been talking about basically since the Rose Bowl and even more so since Lincoln Riley was brought on with the Trojans as well. You've had a chance to call both these two teams games at one point this season. What are your thoughts on both programs right now? Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about both of them. I mean, this was the game, to your point, that we've all talked about. Um, we knew it would be a huge test for SC. I don't know if I know for me, like I, I probably didn't have them as undefeated at this point in the schedule. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't really sure. And then for Utah, we thought this would be a moment for them. And and it's kind of flipped, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of we thought it might be a moment for Utah to build its case. Right. They had Florida, they got SC, they had Oregon, they had three big moments, like the Heisman race for Cam mm-hmm. Rising, three big moments. Well, now like this is a moment that Utah needs if they just want to find their way to back to Vegas. One hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I think for SC, this is a moment for them because I, you referenced I called their game. I've had two of their games mm-hmm. uh, this season so far, and one was at Oregon State. And they struggled in that environment, you know, and they've admitted that in terms of whether it was delay of game penalties, using timeouts. I think you've seen them adjust since that game to when they go on the road. I don't anticipate that. I don't anticipate any confusion at the line of scrimmage or hesitation with the play calling. So it, it's going to be a great test. I think it's going to feel like, God, I wish I wish I was there. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to feel like a championship game. It should be that way, and it should be one that comes down to the end. Yeah, and it'll have an atmosphere to support it. I mean, I know for a fact the Utah ticketing office was marketing, selling season tickets, and this is your only way to guarantee a seat to this game. It's going to be a great crowd at hand at Rice-Eccles, as it usually is. But as you mentioned, it's a great, it's a tough environment for this Trojans team to come into it. So now we're going to dive into the biggest matchups of this game. And first looking at it for the Trojans offense going against the Utes defense, I'm really excited to see Caleb Williams, Jordan Addison, Mario as well. There's just this crew go against a really good Utah secondary led by arguably the best corner in the country and Clark Phillips as well. But who do you think is the advantage in that matchup? I always think receivers have the advantage mm-hmm. just because, you know, as a former one, you know where you're going. Just fundamentally, like I know where yeah. I'm going and you don't. The challenge is all the other layers of that. Like, what is the defense going to look like? What is the shell of the defense from Morgan Scali going to be? And how is it going to change and alter as the plays develop pre-snap, post-snap? And I'm probably most curious about that, to your point, in this game. Like, does Clark Phillips 
this is a man press man coverage team mm-hmm. in Utah. I know that's not all they do. That would yeah. not be giving them enough credit, but that's the foundational element. I don't see them dramatically changing who they are in their DNA for this game. Now we'll see. How does Jordan Addison look in pregame? I hope he gets to go. Right? He mm-hmm. left the game over the weekend. Sure. Mario Williams, he's had his moments where he's looked great. Also had some uncharacteristic drops. Like I think SC's receiving core has been a little bit up and down because it started so red hot and all exposed to play. It's the past game struggled the last two weeks. So I think for Utah, this is going to be a combination of, yes, I'm sure, you know, Brock, who's calling it Brock Hewer, like they're going to mm-hmm. be ISO cameras on Clark Phillips and Jordan Addison or Mario Williams or whichever guy he's covering. But at the same time, your eyes need to be fixed on the front four. And that's where I think teams have had success, and but ultimately lost because they couldn't finish Caleb Williams in the backfield. Like I'm building, a, as I watch film here in my office every day, um, I've got over 30 snaps of Caleb Williams escaping the pocket when he couldn't mm-hmm. get tackled. So that's going to be the thing. Much like Anthony Richardson in week one, can Utah finish? Whether it's Gabe Reed now, who didn't play in the opener, Kareni Reed, of course, Lander Barton. You look at that front, like who off that front can Jonah Ellis, like can they finish? Yeah. Caleb's special in that regard, uh-huh. man. He's got a Houdini element to him that is just masterful. He's so much stronger than probably meets the eye. Mm-hmm. When you see him. So I think that's going to be the combination of, yes, coverage, man coverage forever. But Clark's not going to hold up all game. JT Brown's not going to hold up for five seconds. Like you got to win to the line of scrimmage and hopefully disrupt the timing and rhythm of the passer, get in some throwing lanes. And that's how you can make life challenging for us. He's offense. Yeah, and I tend to agree as well, just in terms of who has the advantage because of how special you mentioned a guy like Caleb Williams is, is even when you beat him, he can still buy time or scramble. So when you got everything covered on the back end, you can't even get a coverage sack because he's running 10 yards down the field. So something this Utah team is really going to have to be careful of, especially because, as you mentioned, they struggled against rushing QBs this year. DTR, in terms of rushing yards, didn't gash Utah, but still had a ton of time tracking him down. And this is Utah defense that has struggled to get sacks as well. But focusing even more on the front seven, I think this Trojans team has run the ball better than a lot of people expected them to. And Look, Utah just got da- gashed by Zach Charbonnet, and now you got Travis Dye coming in as well. And this is a USC team that really has a chance to run the football on the Utes as well, as their front seven has been very up and down on the season. Yeah, and that's why I think it's, for Utah, a big advantage having a game at home. Mm-hmm. If they were coming to the Coliseum, I'd probably feel a little different. Right? They're going to have to feed off that energy on their defensive front and finishing tackles. Their linebackers are going to have to play really disciplined, and they can. We've seen that, but... I called the Oregon State game. They moved the ball up until the red zone. You reference UCLA. They moved the ball through the red zone. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're going to have to find a way to stop SC. And, and here's the point is that it's not stopping them in the first quarter. Like this is an SC offense that just leans on you. And not from like a physicality standpoint, but they're so creative. They just lean on you, lean on you, lean on you, you make a mistake and boom, big play, big run, Travis died, big completion. We saw last week Utah busted coverage, in my opinion, on the Logan Loya touchdown. Mm-hmm. It looked like it was man coverage from my vantage point, and the corner didn't run with Loya, the one guy that didn't. Well, USC's made a living this season off of that, of safety out of place, touchdown, beat Oregon State. Corner, linebacker out of place, touchdown, last weekend, Washington State. Like, they will find ways to exploit misses. And that is what makes them so dangerous because they're so explosive and explosive plays, as you know, and if you don't turn it over and you're taking the ball away as SC is, not surprised they're undefeated when you look at that. 
Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I got to give the advantage in this one to me as well to that Trojans run game because of how devastating it is. And as you mentioned, it's another tough test for this Utah defense that is definitely going to be excited. Morgan Scali's group to get back at it and in front of their home crowd, which is always such a big advantage for this team. We're going to flip things over and talk about the offensive side of the ball in a second. But first, I want to talk to you guys about Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Tons of great games going on around the college football, NFL slate, MLB playoffs getting underway. Bet Online has you guys covered. Lots of fun action to go in and get in on as well. Including this game, I believe the line's still at three in favor of the youths at the moment. So make sure you head over to Bet Online, check in on that, as well as all the other great action. Head over to Bet Online where the game starts. So Yogi bringing it back to this matchup and looking at it from the offensive side of the ball. Before we even dive into this one, I just want to hear you've been a very a defender and just in general, just a big supporter of Cam Rising. What do you think about him and just he's, how he's played on the season? I think he's played well, mm-hmm. you know, honestly. I mean, who wouldn't want that throwback against Florida, of course. Uh, but I think when you break his games down, he's playing really efficient. God, he's physical. I mean, I feel like every game he leaves, like his body head to toe mm-hmm. is full of grass stains, which isn't necessarily a good thing. But he, he leaves it all on the grass. His teammates love him. I love how Kyle Whittingham references in terms of he's the alpha's alpha. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he, is, he is that regarding this program. I think what we've seen – excuse me, over the last two weeks, is how are they managing the loss of Brent Keithy? Make no mistake about it. I mean, we sat with Kyle Whittingham and Andy Ludwig, and they've said it many times, that the offense ran through Brent Keithy. Mm-hmm. So it's not as though they lost, like, another receiver. Like, okay, losing Solomon Enos for a couple of games, like, that hasn't been fun, but the offense didn't run through him. And I think that has been the thing that I've noticed watching Utah back on film is who's the guy to have a guy? Right, we saw Devon Bailey become that guy in the Oregon State game. UCLA, to me, I don't even know if there was a chance for that. You know, and you mm-hmm. and you look at the style of the game. It was boom, 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 and all of a sudden it was blown open. Right, it seemed like seemingly pretty fast. Mm-hmm. Great first half, you're feeling good about the game, and then here they come. Explosive play, get the ball back. Explosive play. So, yeah, man, how do I feel about him? I think he's playing at a high level. I really do. I think he's capable of winning this game. Um, I think they got to find ways like they did in 2019, like they did last year and had done early this year, scheming guys open mm-hmm. because this SC defense is real. Like, I don't know if these receivers, I'd be shocked if I saw SC play any form of double coverage on anybody. You know, if anything, they're going to add another guy to the box, a spy mm-hmm. to cam rising. Like yeah. they're going to have to find creative ways and they will find creative ways, whether it's Kalen Bullock when he, you know, when he plays or whether it's Eric Gentry when he's in or whether it's drop, they've dropped defensive linemen into coverage. Like you're going to see a lot of that, I would imagine, from USC. And they might say, you know, we're just going to play it straight up. Guy Blackman, maybe he runs with Devon Vele. You know, I, I think that's kind of a like a mindset of this team is like, mm-hmm. this is your whether it's your gap in a one gap scheme or this is your responsibility and coverage, like take it, own it. Let's see what you got. That's kind of how SC much like Utah rides. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think Cam's playing at a high level. I think he's only going to get better the more removed he is from the loss of Keithy. And this is a huge moment for that. Yeah, you make such a good point about that, too, because this is I think a lot of people always just talk about the running game when it's the first thing you talk about with this Utah team when, as you mentioned, the coaches are the ones who are talking about that. Brent Keithy was actually the guy for this offense. So and you even spoke to Dalton Kincaid earlier this week, I know, as well, just about kind of how he's kind of grown into that role as well. Do you expect him to have a big game? Yeah, I think he needs to have his game, you know, right? Like, mm-hmm. 
you know, you look at the game last week, like I think it was him on that would have been an amazing catch, kind of caught it, then fell and dropped it. Yes. You mm-hmm. know, like that can't happen in these games. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is one this is like the Rose Bowl, right? Ohio State, blow for blow. I think this is yeah. how it's gonna be. Like Tamia Thomas gotta gotta bring it. I'm excited. Oh, I can't if there was a guy I circled or I would talk to our, you know, camera operators. I have a production meeting before I broadcast games and I give them a couple guys to watch. Kai Bernard would be mm-hmm. number one. He'd be number one in terms of where they line him up, how they deploy him, how SC defends him. He could do so much for this team. Uh, so, yeah, I think Kincaid needs to have a game, um, but kind of a standard game. Like, can he get five grabs for 75 yards and a touchdown? Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah, they'll take that all day long. And and I, I'm looking forward to because I do think this offense, you know, from last year was so explosive. At times this year it was. It reminds me of 2018. You know, it just does. The team kind of does too, but the defense hasn't hasn't been what we thought they'd be at least the last, you know, two weeks or so. You know, week and a half. You know, I think the turnovers masked a little of the elements of the run game against Oregon State, and, and I think they've got the players. Mm-hmm. Like I really do. I'm I mean I'm amazed at how young Utah is. I know, especially in the front seven. So mm-hmm. it'll click, and if it's ever gonna click, it's gonna click at night, and it's gonna do it at Rice Eccles Stadium. So again, to that point. I think we just have an amazing game. And if you said, hey, sign up for this one now and sign up for it again the first week in December, I'm in. Yeah, 100%. And you even talked about as well, just like this Utah team needs to rise up in a big game. Their biggest game last year, they did that at home against Oregon. So it's going to be interesting to see if they're able to do so in this matchup. And the only way they're going to be able to have success offensively is if the offensive line is able to hold up. That was something that they've struggled with, especially against U- against UCLA. We saw it against Florida a little bit as well, just giving up some of that pressure in the pocket. And it's a group that's reshuffling a little bit. you got a guy in Satao Laumea who was really good at right guard last season, kicked out to right tackle, gave up eight pressures last week. Michael Mokofisi, he got swapped out at right guard. They put in Jaron Cup. So there's been a lot of shuffling along that offensive line. And it's not exactly ideal when you have a group coming in in the Trojans that leads the nation in sacks. So how do you think Utah's offensive lines could be able to hold up? Well, they'll be challenged. Mm-hmm. Tuli Tuipilotu is real. Yes. Right? What did he have? Five or six TFLs last week? I believe uh, so, yeah. He was he was all over the field mm-hmm. against Washington State. And, and they move him all over the D-line. You know, he'll play the edge. He'll play D-tackle. He can play on the nose. They'll bring in guys like Corey Foreman to rip off the edge. Solomon Bird had been that guy for a couple weeks for them. They'll put Eric Gentry down near the line of scrimmage. We'll see what the status of Shane Lee is by the time we get to kick off their starting Mike Backer. So, yeah, man, this old line's going to have to be ready for it because they'll also bring boundary corner, and here comes Makai Blackman. You know, They'll bring safeties from depth. Like, you got to have eyes up on a swivel. They're going to twist and stunt, much like – Alex Grinch became notorious for at Washington state. Mm-hmm. Same thing. It's extremely active. And again, I go back to you go back and you watch any Alex Grinch press conferences or get to know him at all. And they'll say the same thing. I'll say we're a one gap defense, meaning JT, you've got your gap. Yogi, you got your gap. Handle it. Mm-hmm. Not hold up two gap. Let linebackers make play. No, no. Boom. Go. Boom. Go. And if you don't we're going to find somebody who can. Now they're not perfect. They're never going to be, but they are improved there. And I think if you hear a commentator or someone say the thing holding SC's back is their defense, they're not watching. Yeah. Because if anything, the defense over the last couple games is ahead of the offense from what True. I see. 
yeah, winning a low-scoring game. You saw it in person against Oregon State as well, even against Washington State as well. The offense still was productive, but especially after some early, I know they gave up the one deep pass. Ward got off early, but the second half, they were very strong as well. So going to be fun to see how they stand up in that hostile environment as well. And you mentioned Tavion Thomas, been going through some stuff recently, passing away of an ant as well. But he spoke to media for the first time in a while. I even spoke to him, and he seemed to be in better spirits as well and really fired up and ready to go for this game as well. He had some of his best games last, I mean, last year, the UCL. LA game at home he was absolutely unstoppable do you expect him to go off and we kind of see that Tavion Thomas last year who around this point in the season was when he really started to break out yeah well look reference earlier like SC kind of leans on you right because mm. they have the explosive ability this is what Utah should be doing right like this is what we anticipated haven't really seen it in the run game yet this year but this is a game where can they lean on a defense that you know they rotate some players but it's not as though USC has dramatic depth they don't have Utah's depth in mm-hmm. their front seven. So if I'm Andy Ludwig, and I'm, he's way smarter than I am in terms of game planning offensively, but I would be heavy dosage of the run game. Heavy dosage of the run game. Now, early on, I think you got to complete some balls. And this is where Cam can be amazing. Accuracy, intermediate routes, get the ball out, tight end on an out route, a sit route, a dig route, you know, crossing routes for some of the wide outs. Like, just keep it off balance enough. But yeah, I would, if I'm a Utah fan, if Tavion's good, if he's, you know, good and clean and clear, to your point, feed this dude mm-hmm. because he is a load. And SC is never going to turn it down. They're not going to get out-efforted. But in the end of the game, if it's tight and he's got 25 carries and it's halfway through the fourth quarter, feed him another eight to finish the game. And that would be a recipe for Utah to find success and upset USC. And it's nice having, you mentioned Makai Bernard as well. He's the guy you keep an eye on. So it's nice to have that combination of those two guys because they complement each other so well. Makai is more of a surprising guy as well. I've stood next to Makai and he's not someone who necessarily from a physical standpoint overwhelms you, but then you see what he does in the game, just breaking tackles and just still having the strength to run through you. It's impressive. Tavion's the guy you stand next to and you're like, he plays running back? Like he looks like he could be a defensive end. He's absolutely huge. So it's going to be fun to see. How it shakes out. And look, we've looked at pretty much every key matchup in the game at this point. I think the only other one I just thought about, I want to kind of throw at you, Yogi, is do you had very two different coaching styles, but which staff do you give the coaching edge to in this one? Well, I'll say this on special teams. Like it's it's noteworthy, mm-hmm. right? They both have had their moments, they both have had their struggles. Like this is gonna be a thing. Yeah. You know, SC's punter never played football before. Wow. Right? Like Utah hasn't been great in coverage. A no. kickoff. Yes, last week. You know, like, and yeah, and like, like that, I think field position will be a thing. Mm-hmm. It will be a thing. I think when it comes to coaching, this is going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Not only do you have offense versus defense, like that's natural. Not only do you have the generational gap, which we know about 18 years in the league, year one yeah. in the league, or as a head coach of Utah and head coach mm-hmm. at NC. Uh, but I look forward to what do these guys do in four down situations? So that's called fringe red zone. So think like ball on the 50, ball on the 40. Heck, Lincoln's gone on it when it's been on its own 40. I think even like it's own 35, 32. Like where's the mindset and mentality around fourth and short, right? Or third and five is a two downs to get it. Like that to me, I will wonder about and I'd be curious about. Lincoln, we've seen him be aggressive. We've seen Kyle Whittingham be extremely aggressive. We've seen both of them play conservative at times. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm with you, bro. Like, it'll be it'll be fun to watch that thing because I think for both of them, you have to take into account the environment. Mm-hmm. For Lincoln, like, if you have a chance at a knockout shot 
or to quiet the crowd, do you take it? Yeah. I would. Do you have a chance if you're Kyle and you say, all right, we can knock them out or we can just get up three, up another three, another three? That I don't think will be interesting to watch as the game plays out. I know both of them, they don't, I don't want to say dramatically lean on analytics, but they're part of their process. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man, that, that will be really enjoyable to watch because they've got now, I think, veteran quarterbacks on both sides. Right? This is mm-hmm. the, 13 or 14th start for Caleb Williams in his career. So he's had a season. Mm-hmm. We know Cam Rising's career and his path and how long he's been around. So I hope as a fan and lover of this game, I hope JT that it, that it comes down to somebody with the ball late. I just love to see mm-hmm. it. I'd love to see, watch that crowd and feel that crowd through the screen. And I mean, I can't wait. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to miss the first half because we're calling our own game yeah. and, <laughs> in Washington, but I will be glued to the second half of this game. Yeah, and I know you'll be watching every second of the film as well once that gets posted for a breakdown. And you make such a great point with the knockout punch as well, because that's something where, look, if you if USC's up two touchdowns and they get in a critical third down on another drive, there's not going to be as many students in the must jumping around on that third down because they're going to be defeated thinking, hey, we're down by two touchdowns already. So it be interesting to see how it plays out. And Yogi, I am curious, how do you think this one's going to play out now that we've talked about all the different exciting angles of this matchup? We've literally been breaking down since almost even spring ball. <laughs> Yeah, I, I go back and forth. I think my initial gut reaction was Utah wins. And as I really thought about it, and I got to the truth of it, I said, well, you know what? SC, they kind of just lean on you mm-hmm. and lean on you. And they just score. And then you look up and you're down seven. You look up and you're down 14. Like, I don't know. I think they're going to learn from that game at Oregon State in terms of handling the environment and clock. I think they have absolute gamers. Um, so... I think when I net out on it, I wouldn't be shocked to see SC go in and get the upset. But if I had to pick it, I still don't know if I have enough data points to say confirmed one way or the other. Like It's fact. Utah's struggling defending the run. Travis Dye will be the biggest factor in this game. The legs of Caleb Williams will be the second biggest factor in this game. This capability element to him, which you know, it has me leaning towards SC in terms of my football mind. My head, my heart, the environment, yeah. um, it says Utah. So I don't know, dude. I could go yeah. <laughs> I could go either way. Oh, I think that's a good answer. And I mean, the other thing for this Utah team as well is you just you have to t- factor in that home field advantage. It's a team that hasn't really lost a home game. Like, I guess technically the last time they lost at home was in 2022, the Trojans, but you know, not a crowd. It was such a weird environment there. It doesn't really count. So this team hasn't lost a true home game since 2018 as well. And yeah, I mean, you've been there before. Just speak a little bit more what it's like calling a game at Utah. Well, dude, I, we were there last weekend and mm-hmm. two weeks ago now, and the first time we'd been there since 2019. Oh, wow. You know, because 2020, we were calling games from the studio, and last year we only had them on the road. Mm-hmm. So it was amazing for our crew on behalf of the Pac-12 Network to be there and witness the moment of loudness. Yes. For the first it's time. Incredible. Right? Mm-hmm. I saw it at the title game. I saw it at the Rose Bowl. But to see it at Rice Eccles was really something that I was telling my son about it. I was like, dude. This was so cool. I sent him a video of it like in real time in the third quarter because I just had to take it from up in the yeah. booth. And it's a special place. I think, you know, when, when I moved out to the West Coast 20 some years ago, like I didn't realize the power in Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. And now being, you know, fortunate to be, you know, our football guy in the Pac-12 conference, I clearly know what it is. And it's it's beautiful. It's powerful. It's special. It's all the things that um, – that you think big time college football is like, and I tell that to people about Salt Lake city in general, like you got four to six radio stations talking Utah football 
yeah. every day of the year. <laughs> you have all you and all these other podcasts mm-hmm. that are talking Utah football. You got recruiting services. Like it's a big time deal. Huge. It's a huge deal. And I think that once you get there and see it, you're like, oh yeah. I mean, I take Utah and put them up against, I don't care if it's Clemson, uh, any of the big programs in the country in terms of the desire, the passion, the expectation, all those things that go into their football program. It makes it so fun to have them in the league and then to watch Utah ascend. And that's why I think this will be a moment. Like if we're going to be real, it's an opportunity for a land grab, right? We have two teams leaving the league. True. UCLA put it on Utah over the Mm -hmm. weekend. It was an opportunity for a land grab. Like what happens this week? It's an opportunity for a land grab because SC's always had real estate regardless of, you know, if they were doing anything in that house, their house was always valued really high. Uh-huh. You know, so uh, this is a big moment. This is a big moment for the program of Utah as they continue to take the next step and next step. And if they get a win, bam, they're back in the hunt for at least what they can control. It won't be the playoff, but it'll be everything other than that. It is a huge game. It's monumental, and we greatly appreciate you joining us to break it down, Yogi. Yogi, what game did you say you will be on before before everyone gets geared up for the Utah-USC game? Where should they tune in on Pac-12 yeah. to see you at? Tune in, baby. Tune in. I'll be in Seattle, Washington. Mm-hmm. Hadn't been there under Kalen DeBoer yet. And Arizona, Jed Fish, mm-hmm. bounce-back opportunity. Top two passing offenses in the league. Like two teams that have elite wide receiver play, quarterback play. Michael Penix, number one in so many categories. Uh, in the league, let alone tops in the nation. And I think in yards and he's sixth in touchdowns. Jane Delora, we know what he can do. And it might be some drama. This is a guy who planted the Washington State flag true at Husky Stadium a uh-huh. year ago. Yeah. And now he's playing for a different team. And that has been talked about all week long in Seattle. So we're excited. Can't wait to get there. It's going to be a fun one. Appreciate you once again for joining us, Yogi. Make sure you guys head over to Yogi's Twitter at Yogi Roth. Give him a follow. Keep up with all the great content and calls he has going on. If you guys are in the market for a second listen every day, make sure you check out the Locked on Pac-12 podcast for Spencer McLaughlin. Other local experts keep you covered on the Conference of Champions. And once again, we greatly appreciate one of the conference's greatest supporters, Yogi Roth, for joining us on today's show. That's going to be it for today's episode of Locked on Utes, but we'll see you tomorrow.